Hello and welcome to this summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Tonight we will listen to an interview I did with author Carmen Marcoux about a letter that the Canadian bishops put out on chastity. We will also hear from Archbishop Michael Miller of Vancouver about that same letter. And we will listen to music from Carrie B. Grant and Sarah Hart. But we begin with Archbishop Michael Miller. Three weeks ago, the Canadian bishops issued a pastoral letter to young people on chastity. Last week, we looked at how we need to respond to such a letter, but we wondered why this letter was written in the first place. And to tell us about that, we're now joined by Archbishop Michael Miller of Vancouver. He is the chair of the Canadian Bishops' Commission on Doctrine. Archbishop Miller, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you very much, Pedro. So... Uh, maybe before we start, the, the Commission on Doctrine, what, what is this commission? Why does it exist? Uh, the commission is one of the uh, commissions of the uh, Canadian uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops, which sort of supports the uh, bishops in their sort of mm, theological endeavors when questions about doctrine or theology uh, are on the table, okay. or the bishops request some kind of reflection, then that, that's the committee that the item is sent to. Okay, so then this, this pastoral letter that came from this particular commission, is, that a, 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 is it an average example of, of the kind of uh, issues that you would deal with in the commission? It, it, it's certainly one of the examples. We, we deal with other questions. Sometimes they're a little... Uh, we dealt with uh, the the document on on popular piety that the bishops published right. in the, in the fall yeah. that came uh, through them. There have been uh, you know documents on a, on, on, on a number of um, of issues. The healthcare guy, uh, ethics guide that's used in Catholic hospitals comes uh-huh. through, and it's not published by the by the bishops, but they ask for nihil obstat. You know, and, okay. and that's the commission that deals with questions of. Of doctrine, so to speak. So anything. So like when you said that you would support bishops, for example. So if a particular bishop has a question, not or so much a particular. It's usually the conference. Okay, so you're it's supporting the conference. the conference. Okay, yeah. I see. And the conference at their fall meeting, you know, have, have you know they have the, an opportunity to express what what do we need some um, help with, or namely, what do our people uh, people in the pews what would be uh, helpful for them at this juncture in the Church's history in Canada. I see. So so if we look specifically at this pastoral letter on chastity, how did that develop from, from I guess, the inception to having a letter written? I, you know, it, um, as all letters, they, you know, some bishop or bishops have an idea, they put it on the table, others say, yes, we should do something to help our young people in, in, in the culture in which we live today. Those who are... Um, can, you know, confronted with a secular world, uh-huh. you know, and ask the question, how can I live chastely? Right. And it was, it was really, as the intro says, to support, the, you know, uh, those young people and to express our solidarity with them. Often, I think they can feel abandoned, yeah. and, um, you know, media doesn't really value chastity, doesn't talk about chastity, and all the models seem to be non-chaste, mm-hmm. or many do. And this was just a chance to say, yeah, we... We support you. You're no doubt struggling, um, 
and what you're doing is is good and it's worthwhile and it's uh, responding to the gospel. Right. So then you would say that the main purpose of the letter is is support. In, in, it's support in, and encouragement. But it's not a teaching document per se. Not not per se. I mean, otherwise you would sort of take up every every yeah, you'd have a book <laughs> every question that could possibly arise and so on. No, its its purpose was more to um, uh, provide some words certainly a support, some of direction, too, yeah. for, for people, but it's, it's really, it's, if it can open the question and put it on the table, then young people will talk about it and ask others, and, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's a support document. Yeah, okay, I see. Um, just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro. We're speaking with Archbishop Michael Miller of Vancouver. He's the chair of the Canadian Bishops' Commission on Doctrine, and we're talking about the recent pastoral letter that the Canadian bishops... Uh, issued on chastity. Now, can you tell us, maybe not specifically with this letter, but a letter like this one, how is that written? Do you, is, is, does it take a long time, uh, well, consultations? It, it, it begins, of course, with a the draft of a letter. Um, sometimes the, the, the very first draft comes from someone outside the commission or a group of people from outside the commission, Okay, and then it's revised and revised and revised. It's at some point sent to the permanent council, you know, the group of 11 bishops, mm-hmm. sort of represent bishops across Canada, and they would approve the pub, its publication by the uh, commission. If it's going to be published by uh, all the bishops and not just by the commission, I see. then, then it, goes, it goes out to all the bishops for final approval. That's a more solemn process. Okay, so it, it, it could this take... This is from the, just from the commission, yeah. not really per se yes. from all of the Canadian bishops. I see. So, but, it, but it's something that could take months, it could take years. Oh, it, could take, it certainly took months. It could certainly take more than a year from the time of the first... From the first idea to, to the publication would take... More than a year. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more. Okay, so now uh, maybe maybe if we can talk a little bit specifically about the topic. So what, and you already mentioned a little bit about why there you felt, or some of the bishops felt that there might be a need for this letter. But what are some, some uh, I guess, uh, things that you might be hearing or the bishops are hearing about well, young I, people? Well, I think they, they all, all we have to do is have our eyes open or to hear a few confessions yes. to, know, to know that, you know, young people... As they probably always have, but even perhaps more so today, you know, they struggle with what it means to be a chaste adult, mm-hmm. particularly in the period before marriage. Yes. Uh, and whereas there used to be strong sort of social constraints um, that provided a certain support for those who were living chastely, the expectations were that you would be chaste before marriage, even if it wasn't always realized. It was the expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, for example, has that's simply not true so much, and certainly in, in, a, in popular culture, what is expected, what is seen, um, what is it, you know, in movies, yeah, uh, on television. Absolutely. There been, there's been a, a change, and, and it was just one more reminder that um, the, chast- the chastity is a challenge. It's uh, it's a worthwhile it's a worthwhile venture even if one has you know in the past not been able to live up to it or has not lived up to it that it's not too late that chastity is a virtue which as 
Catholic Christians we cannot simply put in the closet and forget about it and, right. and uh, as if it didn't matter. It does matter. Yeah, and we've even found here that there seems to be a lot of confusion between chastity and celibacy. A lot of people think it's the same thing. No, no, chastity is for everybody. It's for absolutely married Unmarried couples. And, and married, um, consecrated, um, and, and so on. Chastity is a, is a virtue. It's the integration of our sexuality according to the state of life in which we in which we find ourselves celibacy is is you know refraining from part sexual relations yeah. either be, because one is single or because one is consecrated yeah absolutely now maybe uh, some wise words from you how how best you said that the letter is not a teaching uh, not per se. Letter, it's not but, like the catechism. I mean, you can no. refer someone to the catechism and and sort of the um, uh, how would I say? You know, the prohibitions yes. are in place. That's a different way of approaching. But you're hoping that maybe this letter will be a, a beginning for a lot of people to maybe address a topic and teach I, young people I, about that chastity. for sure. And there's even a word about it, uh, a section on fostering and recovering chastity right. in one's life. You know, yeah. the recognition that you know it might be that you're 23 and you realize. Good Lord, I've spent the last seven years in in a little bit of um you know of a bad place. I haven't yes. been chased. Maybe I didn't know. Maybe I just got carried away. And we're trying to say oh, that that might be, but uh, we can certainly um, still sort of begin on the on the path to chastity. How do you think we best should teach our young people about chastity? Uh, well, of course, the, the the best teachers, of course, is the children come from a home where chastity oh. is valued, where yeah. the parents. Um, have have expectations of their children, and frankly, that they educate them in the virtue even as youngsters, which means a certain amount of very serious supervision of particularly their exposure to the media and their use of social communications. Right. That can't be emphasized enough. You children are still children. They can't make at you know when they're very young the kinds of choices that always serve their their good and their best interests mm-hmm. and parents have to have a very strong clear and consistent stand um in in the cultivation of of, of a virtue i mean yeah. it it does matter what you see it does matter what you know kind of how you play with the uh, social communication. It, it does even matter what you wear. It matters how you talk. Yes, absolutely. And um, I, yeah, I guess with everything, it starts at home. It, it certainly <laughs> it does. It absolutely home. starts at home and should be reinforced, um, you know, in the parish uh, uh, and uh, in, in Catholic schools. I think absolutely. this document would be very handy sort of thing to do, in a, you know, to, to make available to uh, Catholic school students. Absolutely. You know, used as a as a um, as as just one of the ways in which they can introduce the topic. Absolutely, Michael Miller, Archbishop of Vancouver. Thank you so much for uh, your time. I know you're very busy, but thank you for well, taking time. Well, thank you very to... much, Pedro, and thanks to Salt and Light for all they're doing to spread the gospel in Canada. Thank you. Okay, God bless. Archbishop Michael Miller is the Archbishop of Vancouver and the chair of the Commission on Doctrine of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Carrie B. Grant with his version of the old classic, That Old Rugged Cross.
suffering and shame And I love that old cross With the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain That was Carrie B. Grant with That Old Rugged Cross. Last we spoke to Carrie B. Grant, we learned about his past and his addictions and how he came to the faith. Well, Carrie's journey has continued, and with that journey has come two new recordings. And to tell us about them and about what he's been up to, we're joined now by Carrie B. Grant. Carrie, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Welcome back, I should say. Thank you. Thank you, Pedro. So that song, I love that old rugged cross. The the beginning of the song, it's your dad singing? Yeah. Uh, the inspiration out of that came, uh, I, I was going to do uh, a classic hymn. I had done Amazing Grace uh, once before, and I yeah. wanted to uh, do a classic hymn, and I was going to do it with an acoustic guitar and put it on YouTube. 
and uh, I threw that idea out to some people, and and out of that idea, somebody said, "Well, I'll uh, front you some money to take that into the studio and do a uh, do it in the studio. It's a public domain song, so yeah, I brought it into the studio, and um, they, they all uh, out of that, I I thought, well, maybe I'll involve uh, some people in my family play music as well, involve a few people from my family to be part of the song, uh, invite them." And that was, uh, I invited them, and they, they agreed. They were happy about it, excited about it. And uh, so I, I went into the studio with my some of my family involved. Cool. So, so wait, so then that recording, the, the beginning with your dad, is not an, is that an old recording, or did he re-record that with you now? Well, we did that, um, we did that in the studio. He did that uh, live in the studio, and then we put a, oh, okay. a, a downloaded a sort of a scratchy... Uh, Right. Record okay. To give it that rustic sort of. Okay. Sound. I thought that he had recorded it like forty years ago. No, he That's he so actually cool. he's never recorded before, so he was very uh, happy and impressed, and because I, I think any musician would like to do something like that, so it was a nice gift to him. So it touched he, his heart. I know it did because I I know him really well, and and it was a pleasure to watch me to watch him play. I really enjoyed watching him do that. Now, I know that when you recorded your last album, Free to Fly, you say that you, you went back to your musical roots. Did kind of connecting back with your family and your, with, particularly with your dad, not, not connecting with him because he, you know, he's your dad, but um, th- was, was that part of it, sort of still kind of going back to your, your roots as a, as a singer or as a songwriter? Well, that, uh, it's funny, David's a clever guy and, and um, the Holy Spirit speaks through him. When the Holy Spirit says something... A phrase can just keep coming back to you, and God can use that phrase and keep touching you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the past few years, it it has been my roots. My family remember, you know, you get ideas out of where you came from and and uh, how, the styles of music you started with. And so I I dwelt into that a bit more. And and he said, uh, just go into your basement and crank up the guitar and start playing without any sort of inhibition. Just 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 let yourself go and don't even try to control the words that come out of your mouth and record that. Yeah. And so uh, with no one around, that's a little easier to do yeah. than uh, maybe on a street corner. Yeah. And uh, so I did that and, and, it, and then li- re-listened to it after it was done. And so that was uh, an interesting technique that he showed me. To, and out of that, we pulled snippets that spontaneously sounded that sounded the way you know that hooked us yeah and we built songs out of that so this is you're talking about david is your producer yes okay yeah and and i guess roots also i i started playing like i played country uh i I played old rock and roll 50s rock and roll yeah and blues songs and i get i guess i get caught up in this mode that i have to play uh really complicated uh music with lots of chords to impress people and stuff and i mean that's all good and uh, and and I get uh, sometimes I feel in in I don't know what the word is uh, not insecure but uh, you know that I I'm not that you know yeah. I, I I'm not uh, there's so many good musicians out there and so I I um, started playing the stuff that I started out with and that's what I play um, naturally right and so uh, something comes out of that God can move through that and because uh, there there is an uh, a natural thing, and, and stuff comes out of that that's, uh, that people pick up on, and, and uh, 
and uh, and it's all good, you know. It seems yeah. to have a good uh, vibe around. I it. think so, and th that's the beauty of all those old s hymns and stuff. That there's just very simple chords, uh, and and there's something that speaks to people because of the simplicity. I agree completely. Oh yeah, and some of the lyrics in those old songs are incredible. They're yeah. beautiful. You know, yeah, they're, they're kind sure. of timeless. Every once in a while, some a song will pop through that is a really unusual song that three or four generations can re-record and. And there's something about that song. Yeah. Um, Carrie, just a note for anyone that might be joining at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro Guevara. Man, we're speaking with our featured artist of this week, Carrie B. Grant. Now, Carrie, I, thinking about your roots and where you started made me think that somehow the, the, your evolution as an artist is reflected in, in your albums. Um, you started with an album called A Beggar Without His Bride. Why is it called that? Uh, well, there's a connection between uh, the Christians, the bride, and, and, and the church, and yeah. Jesus returning, and us coming to Him, and you know our salvation. But and also at that time, I went through a, a very traumatic time where I went through a divorce. Yeah, and, uh, and so that uh, there are some things that uh, popped out of that, came out of that uh, turmoil. Yeah, and uh, so. Um, uh, you know, both of the, those ideas integrated together. Right. And then your next album was called More of You and Less of Me. Yes. Was that also reflective of what was happening in your life in terms of maybe getting deeper and deeper in your relationship with Christ? Yeah, and just, and, um, yeah, striving to, to please Jesus mm. and, um, and, uh, and wanting to, in the lyrics and songs that I do, you know, and, and then learning that, uh, you know, I just believe that he just is so pleased uh, if we come to him, you know, that, like uh, come to him already, he's, he's happy and pleased, and so that I don't have to strive as much. Right. And, and uh, being more comfortable and not to in, in an evolution where I'm naturally trying to, trying to portray my natural self, just who I am. Because I had a hard time with that, with addiction. I, I uh, drug and drank yeah. because I didn't feel myself. I didn't feel secure. And so once you snap out of that, there's a whole, you know, you just go for a 360-degree turn. Yeah. God takes you for a ride where he's, his love transforms in and just gets you thinking differently, you know? Yeah, and then that, that transformation, that, I guess, security or that freedom, it's funny because then your next album was called Free to Fly. So there you, there you have it. Nice uh, little evolution of uh, the journey of, of Carrie B. Grant. Um, Carrie, you have, I know that you've recorded two new songs. We've heard Shine On and, and Rugged Cross. Mm -hmm. um, anything new? Any new albums on the works? I have about 15, 16 songs on my wall in my little basement studio yeah. that uh, I'm, uh, I would love to, uh, I can't wait to get recorded, I guess, the right time. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm working on those uh, as, uh, you know, time goes on. And, and these last two songs, the, the old Rugged Cross is the most recent yes. that I've done. Yeah, and it's uh, kind of a it's, it blues tune with a bit of country in there. It's and great, an yeah. Sound to it as well. It's great. So uh, lots to look forward to. Uh, make sure you let us know when that new album comes out. I will. Okay, Carrie, that is all the time we have. But thank you so much. It's been good to reconnect with you and to listen to what you're doing. Uh, all the best. Thank you, Pedro. God so, bless you. Thank you. Kerry B. Grant, you can find him online 
at carrybgrant.com. You can also find him. He's got his own YouTube channel, youtube.com slash carrybgrant. Um, lots, of, lots of good stuff there. Lots of really neat videos, too. So check it out, carrybgrant.com. Here now is Carrie with a, a song that needs no introduction.
Two weeks ago, the Canadian bishops issued a pastoral letter to young people on chastity. Now, the topic has caused quite a discussion on social networking sites, and youth leaders across the country are welcoming the message. To talk to us about how we should respond to this pastoral letter, we're joined now by chastity speaker and author, Carmen Marcou. Carmen, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Well, thank you so much, Pedro. It's really great to be here. So, Carmen, when you heard, this is even before you read the letter, but when you first heard about the letter, what was your initial response? Oh, I was just thrilled. Really thrilled to hear our bishops addressing head-on this issue because this issue touches every life. Um, you know, no matter your age or stage, youth, adult, married, single, chastity touches all our lives. And it was just so great to know that our bishops are addressing and offering support for, for everybody in this. So you see a need for a letter like this? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to know the solidarity, and, and the bishops express that, that they want us to know their solidarity with us because chastity, while it's beautiful, it can also represent a cross for many people. Right. And we need to support each other prayerfully and, and as a community um, in living the Christian life. And this is such an important part of the Christian life because chastity vivifies our life. It brings life to our life and um, in a beautiful way. But as I said, it can also be a cross for many people, especially when it's misunderstood. Right now, after you read the letter, what was your response? Oh, I thought it was just beautiful. Um, again, um, as I said, I was really looking forward to the bishops expressing and offering their support and pointing to this important issue, and I felt that they did that beautifully uh, in, this, in this pastoral letter. Um, and uh, so it, it was just great to read. I think, I think one of the things that struck me maybe the most was um, that it, it states the expectations of our Catholic faith and it, and it says in it, you know, it's difficult, it's challenging, but mm-hmm. it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that uh, one of the problems that so many people have, and, and as Catholics, as Christians, you know, living in this culture that is so, you know, oversexed, and, <laughs> yep. and, and sex is coming at us from every angle, that, and, and as the letter states, you know, there's a lot of confusion for people. Yeah. But, but I think that the greatest problem that we experience and that I see going out as a chastity speaker uh, promoting this message is that we live in a culture that suffers terribly from low expectations. Mm. And, and, and I think that, um, and I, I say this often, that right now the standards in our culture are so low you can't even trip over them. I mean, yeah. you can do anything and it is, it, it never is considered sinful by our culture because our culture doesn't even accept sin as a concept, right? Right. And so anything goes. So the standards are so low. I mean, you might fall into a hole, but you can't triple them, you know? The bar is so low. And I think that this letter is is an opportunity to bring discussion for Catholics that the the standard is high, that the expectation is high, and it, it is challenging. And Jesus says... You know, if you follow me, you'll take up your cross daily. He didn't say it's a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. He didn't say it's going to be easy. He said, you know, there's a cross involved here. But this is the standard. He didn't lower the standard. Mm-hmm. He kept the expectation high. But what he offers us is, is his spirit, 
and his presence and his life and in through the church and this document points to in a few spots the importance of living a sacramental life so that we do have the strength spiritually to achieve that standard that God that Christ is calling us to Right. Now, just a note for anyone that might be joining at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro Guevara Man. We're speaking with uh, a chastity speaker and author, Carmen Marcoux, about the Canadian Bishop's Pastoral Letter on Chastity. Um, do you think then, Carmen, that without the message, the message of the gospel, does the chastity message make sense? No, no. Because um, without the message of the gospel, we may as well just be living for this life, you know, we're here for a good time, not for a long time, <laughs> you know. Without the gospel message that calls us, points to Christ, points to his death and resurrection, points to eternal life, and that is the good news, that Christ came to redeem us, to save us, so that we can share in his eternal glory. So there's no Without that, why would we even bother trying to live a Christian life, other than, you know, being humanitarians, and it's nice to be nice to the nice. You know, there's so much more to the gospel message, and it is that call to eternal life. So would you say that there, then there's no point in trying to get someone who's outside of the church to understand the chastity message? We might as well spend the time uh, teach, telling them about the good news and, and making sure that, they, that they're children of God first and not that they're sleeping with their girlfriend? Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. see what you're pointing to. I think that there is a very, at a very human level, God writes in all of our hearts. Uh, we're, we're wired for the good, the true, and the beautiful. And when we fall out of the way that we were designed in our nature, when we, when we stop li start living not according to our nature, then problems happen. I mean, um, if, if you are living a promiscuous life, you know, whether you believe in Christ or not, you're subject to, you know, the consequences, yeah, which could be, you know, um, it, it could be disease, and, but it can be heartbreak, it can be, you know, all kinds of yes. devastations to marriage and, and your family life and everything else. There's all kinds of personal consequences to living outside of the way that we are designed. Yeah. And we were designed by God, and it is written in our hearts to, to somehow even without knowing the gospel, you know, there is that sense of, you know, we, we are subject to the consequences of sin, whether we believe in sin or not. So, obviously, promoting chastity at a, at a human level is, is important. But I think, in my experience, going around speaking, and I'm primarily speaking to, you know, I guess I'm preaching to the choir, I'm speaking to the baptized, I'm speaking to, you know, mostly in Catholic circles. But I think that um, without the message of putting Jesus into your life and being motivated to live and love passionately for him, that it is so easy to fall off of the road of purity, to fall off the road of chastity, because um, that driving force towards Jesus um, can get easily derailed by all the temptations around us. Right. And in my experience, Experience with uh, so many who read my books that are chastity novels promoting, uh, you know, showing a, uh, through fiction an example of couples, uh, young people living out this message, that so many young people would write back, guys and girls alike, that they realized in reading my books that 
what they have to do is make Jesus their number one. Mm-hmm. Now, then everything else falls into place. Right. You, you, like you said, you, you do go to uh, conferences at, or schools and you speak to young people. Um, mm-hmm. What are you hearing from young people about their struggles with chastity? Um, I, I think part of it is, um, you know, the, there's a sense of pressure. There's a sense of, you know, you're not normal if you're not in some way sexually active or at least having a boyfriend or girlfriend or in some sort of romantic relationship. So mm-hmm. I think there's just this cultural expectation. And and, and <laughs> I was talking to a young person just the other day, and she said, you know, I mean, you go to a family function for that matter, and your aunties are saying, so do you have a boyfriend? And I mean, you're six years old, you're eight years old. And, and in some ways it's playful, but you, you still see it in the schools. These kids are coupling up at really young ages. There's some sort of you know, written in the culture and expectation that you have to couple up. Yeah. So when I come in and I bring this message, of course there are some, some young people who are going to go, Phew, you know, I'm not interested, I'm not interested. But for the 5, 10, 15, 40, whatever young people in that crowd that, you know, are, have ears to hear what I'm saying, they come up to me afterwards and say, thank you for, for setting us, you know, for giving us permission. It, because there's... In chastity, in purity, is a message of freedom. Mm-hmm. You are free to be all you were created to be. And one of the things that I really try to encourage young people to is embracing the gift of their singleness through enjoying friendships and not worrying about the dating scene, not getting involved in romantic relationships at a really young age. Just embrace friendship and embrace the gift of your singleness and be all that you can be. Don't get bogged down by the emotional and physical entanglements that come with relationships when you're really young. Enjoy friendships. You know, the girl who has a boyfriend has one guy to be with, and there's all kinds of emotional, you know, pressure there because is he looking at other girls? Does he still like me, etc.? The girl who doesn't have a boyfriend is free to be friends with all kinds of guys. Absolutely. And she can enjoy that re- those relationships at, at a level where there's no pressure for her to be anything but herself. Absolutely. And so, so, so many young people, when you come and you articulate this message, they, they do sense it. Uh, of course, there's some kids who, who just are closed to it. But there are other kids who are just... Set free by that message. And, and I think that's the exciting part of what I do, is when you see young people embrace that freedom, they really do become leaders. And I have seen these kids now over the last 10 years of our ministry, well, almost 10 years of our ministry, when I've gone out working and talking and emailing back and forth and staying in contact. Now these kids have gone from high school through university or post-secondary, whatever they're doing, training, onto marriage and now starting families of their own. And they're coming back and saying to me, thank you, thank you that I didn't suffer all of those problems that I saw so many of my peers going through because you came into my life or your books came into my life at that time when there was so much confusion about relationships and I stuck to the path of purity and I held on to, you know, that freedom that comes from it. 
Yeah. And and they do become leaders in our in our world. Even if they're not the most popular kid in high school, you know, life doesn't end at the end of high school. It goes on far beyond that. And these kids really, even in high school, shine. They do Mm -hmm. become leaders. Mm -hmm. Well, Carmen, that's really, really good advice. That's all the time we have, though. So we have to leave it there. But thank you so much for your thoughts and uh, your, your wisdom on this. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It was great to be here. Great. So Carmen Marcoux is the author of the popular teen novels, Arms of Love, and surrender. She's also a speaker and a wife and a mother of nine. You can read her blog, Peer Witness, at her website, courtshipnow.com. She joined us on the phone from her home in Saskatoon. Here now is Sarah Hart with her Grammy-nominated song from her new album, The Give and Keep, Better Than a Hallelujah.
That was Sarah Hart with Better Than a Hallelujah. Last we spoke to Sarah Hart, she told us about her song, which had been recorded by Amy Grant. Well, this song, Better Than a Hallelujah, is now nominated for a Grammy in the Best Gospel Song category. And the version we just heard, sung by Sarah Hart, is one of the tracks in the latest album, The Give and Keep. So lots going on for Sarah, so we're happy to have her back as our featured Artist of the Week. Sarah, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. It's always so good to hear your voice. You doing well? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. But I'm the one that asks, asks questions, okay? Um, <laughs> okay. Busy, busy time for you, eh? You, you've been running around uh, the last couple of weeks. Goodness, it's been very crazy. I could go into it, but I won't. So, very so, crazy. So, this new album, The Give and Keep, wh- where does that title come from? You know, I think, um, I think that lately in my life, the theme for me has been about wanting to be a better giver a more giving person. Um, I read this great, uh, I've been reading this great book, of course, again, um, yeah. C.S. Lewis's book, um, The Four Loves. Yeah. And uh, I was reading this whole beautiful chapter about God being the great giver, and it really convicted me to start thinking about my life in terms of wanting to give like God gave and does continue to give. Um, from, you know, from him sending his son to earth to dying on a cross for us, to rising again, to leading the way for us into the kingdom. You know, that God is constantly a giver yeah. of good and beautiful gifts. And so I think that he has um, created us to be the same. We don't always get that. So that's kind of where the songs came from, just my desire to want to be a better a person who gives more, a person who reaches more, and learns in the giving um, how to keep what's important about life, not the stuff, not the tangible, but the things that we can't always touch and hold and feel, but that are nonetheless the most important things in life. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask you. That I understand the giving part, but I wasn't quite sure what the keeping part. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that when you give, you know, it's true, what, what you give away comes back to you in miraculous ways, and um, usually in very intangible but meaningful ways, and so I think that's the key part, is right. that we learn from giving what is truly important enough for us to keep what we want to take with us when we go, right. you know, what we want to leave in this world when we go. Right. Now, the Spirit and Song website, the Spirit and Song that they carry your products, they, uh, uh, it's, it says that this album is great for women's retreats or to help men understand the women in their lives better. And I, I was wow. listening to the No, but I was listening to the music, and, and I had no, I mean, I would have never thought of that. So, so that it, is, that it, it was specifically a women's project, you mean? Yeah, is it? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> it's definitely not specifically a women's project. And there are a couple of songs that I wrote that sort of have a women's leaning, but the rest really no. I mean, you know, my music's really for everybody. Okay. And I'm always surprised by the songs that I think in my mind. I'm writing this for women or for a woman's issue, and then it's usually men who tell me how much it's meant to them. So. Right. Um, yeah, that's always a misnomer. Okay, so, so, so the song, and it's the first song we played on the show, Wonderfully Made, that one yeah. is specific, maybe th- for young women, would you say, or or also for anyone? Yes. Well, I wrote that song um, actually after a very, very interesting youth retreat that I did, where I talked on um, purity and chastity, and um, and I gave my hour long, you know, presentation, my little keynote, and thought that I did such a great job. This has been years ago, you know, and I was really young, and I thought it went well and did a great job, and. Afterwards, I had one young girl who came up to me and was just sobbing and weeping and saying, you know, it's too late for me, and hmm. um, I, have, I have lost my purity, and I can't get it back, and, and what do I do? You know, and I was so devastated because I immediately thought, 
you know, this is an issue that we face. This is a problem that we run into. You know, we're, we cannot, um, we cannot continue to just be so hard about this issue. We have to find what the issue is about. And so now for me in my own ministry, instead of talking about purity and chastity and celibacy, which are important things to talk about, but I personally don't feel as comfortable talking about that as I do in talking about self-esteem. Right. Because I believe that that choice and every single choice that is not a good choice that you will make in your life and the, the things that are good choices that you make in your life results from how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you really believe that God created you to be an amazing person? Do you really believe that He has a future and a hope for you? Do you really know how you are fearfully and wonderfully made by Him? Yeah. And I think that it, it just got to me so much, this young girl looking me in the face and telling me this, that I decided I have to switch the way I approach this subject. And so now I approach it from saying, you hug yourself, you kiss that mirror, you learn to love yourself, and all of your life decisions will stem from that. You have to believe how wonderfully made you really are. Yeah, and you know what? There isn't a definition of chastity that has to do with being who God has designed you to be. Mm-hmm. So, and I love that 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 idea. Yeah. Um, just a note for anyone that might be tuning in at this time: you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, we're speaking with our featured artist of the week, Sarah Hart. She has a new album. It's called "The Give and Keep." Um, better than Hallelujah. Let, let's talk about that. So, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's very exciting. It's very weird and very exciting. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. So Grammy, yeah. February thirteenth. Yeah, February thirteenth. I'm. Yeah, I'm joking that I hope I don't have to sit next to anyone wearing uncooked meat. As long as I can do yes. that, I'll have a good time. That usually, yeah, I know. We'll be watching. The Lady Gaga in a meat dress for me, but thanks. Anyway. That'll be fun. So better than a hallelujah. People that, I mean, we just heard the song, um, and maybe people have heard the, the, the version that, that Amy Grant recorded. But where yeah. does that song come from? Because you also wrote that one a while back, didn't you? Yeah, I think it's about maybe a year old, year, yeah, a year and a few months old. Um, and it's just a kind of a, a strange set of circumstances that she heard the song, but when she heard it, she loved it and recorded it, and um, I'm very, very grateful, and I actually just yesterday got to finally meet her and spend a little time with her, right. she's such an amazing human being, and I was so blessed to get to have a chance to spend some time with her, but I think, you know, the song did for her what it, what it I think, and perfectly and hopefully has done for a lot of people, Yes. Which is really met them where they are, and yeah. really been the kind of song that says, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to bring God your brokenness and your tears. He loves you for that. He loves you through that. And there's nothing you have done or could do in your life that will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that's good news. You know, and it's good news that we can bring God our tears. It's and our so true. Hearts. It's so true. And sometimes that's better. And I think for me, that's what the song is. Sometimes that's better yeah. than this other pious stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. But, but well, some, you know, but, it's who you I are, it's authentic. Think, yeah, I think that's it, the word authentic. You know, when you're, when you're bringing your broken heart to God in complete honesty, um, I, I really believe that that is more beautiful to Him. You know, there's, there is even scripture to back it up, parable of the lost sheep. Yeah. God says that makes Him more joyful than anything else. Yeah. Is when one lost sheep comes back home. And, and so there's really good news to be had in that, in that scripture and in that thought. It is. No, it's a great song. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm sure it's going to do well, but I'm not going <laughs> to <laughs> issue any predictions. Um, so we're going to end the, the program and the interview with Love Will Leave. Do you want to say a few things about that song, Love Will Leave? 
Yes, I would love to. Um, you know, and, and the timing on this is really amazing because uh, my grandfather passed away a week ago today. Wow. And um, he was like a father to me. I never uh, had my real father in my life. So my I lived with my grandparents and my mother as a child. Mm-hmm. And so he was always like my, more my father than anything else. We were very close. And you know, he and my grandmother both, I, I always say this about them, left this incredible legacy of love. They just left love in their wake, anywhere they went. And they were amazing people. And I don't really know very many people like it, like them, quite honestly, but um, but they were just such good-hearted and loving people. And that song really is about that image of you know, we we in this life may not agree on everything. Our theologies may not match. Our opinions may not match. Our politics may not match. And you know what? It does not matter at Hell's Beans, because what matters is that we learn to love. And that's what Christ came to teach us. You know, Christ didn't really care about people's histories or where they came from or how they walked. What he cared about was them, and right. he loved them. And when we go, when it's our time to leave this planet, you know, much like my grandfather, I mean, there was a man left wanting nothing of the knowledge of how much he was loved because he knew. And he did not have any regrets. He didn't have anything to say to anybody because everybody knew how much he loved him. What a way to go, you know? And, yes. and I think Christ is very much the same way. You know, he left and and everybody around him knew how he loved. And I think that's what I want when I go is just to make sure that I leave love as the legacy and nothing else, you know, because I doubt I'll have any money anyway. But, <laughs> <laughs> but really, love is the great legacy of our lives, and it's what God calls us to, and that's nice. really what the song is about. Yeah, nice. What was your grandfather's name? His name was Alex. Alex, Alex. Hart. Alex Hart. So we should uh, we should leave everybody with, with that song, and we'll dedicate it to Alex Hart, your grandfather. Oh, thank um, you, thank you. Sorry, I'm so sorry. No, um, Sarah, thank you so much. Um, it's thank been great you. chatting with you. Uh, maybe come Grammy time, we'll have another chance to, to talk again. Um, that would be beautiful. People can download, they can purchase the album at your website, sarahartmusic.com. They can also download it from iTunes. Yes. Um, uh, but certainly go visit sarahartmusic.com. Sarah Hart, our featured artist of the week. Here she is with her song, Love Will Leave dedicated to her grandfather, Alex Hart, from her new album, The Give and Keep.
that's it for this week's summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. Remember that you can stream or podcast this show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can also send us emails to radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been the summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. We can